0: Side. A history of horror has earned it the nickname,
1: Killer Capital USA. What's happening guys. These massacres happened in Side over and over. You were the only person who survived. How do we end this?
0: You have to go back to where it all started. Garbage in, garbage out. hello hello all you gigalos welcome to garbage in garbage out i'm your host kelton and as always i'm joined by my lovely co-host gripped how is it going buddy
1: it's good uh kanye has locked himself in mercedes-benz stadium in atlanta to finish his album uh and i'm honestly i'm kind of dealing with a similar thing just because i got uh, so many so many griff shop collaborations on my hands here <laughs> uh yeah I, I i have locked myself in the shop uh and uh I, you know I think you've already seen some of them that have been coming out recently, but yeah. oh, we got, we got some really great stuff rolled out soon, which I'm sure we'll get into at the end with the, with the plugs. Of
0: course. Of course. We, we will definitely get into that. I mean, Who knows at this point, by the time uh, since there is a delay from us recording and then us actually publishing this episode, whether or not Kanye West will have uh, liberated himself from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But uh, I'm really feeling like that could be a movie in and of itself. Just watching one guy. It's like a mockumentary thing as he's uh, fake standing in line waiting for overpriced hot dogs and things like that. At uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, he—it's it, basically like those uh Baker Mayfield progressive ads where he's living at the stadium, but uh Kanye West is doing it in real life.
1: Yeah, he he's just got like the red jacket on, the pantyhose over his face. He's hes trying to shove a fifty-dollar hot dog like through the <laughs> through the pantyhose, and it's just not going so well. He's like,
0: L- "Listen, you know, if uh, Pussy Riot couldn't make it work as an album cover, I don't think Kanye can make it work as a day-to-day life." <laughs> (laughs) thing so uh just just shout outs to him by the way a liberated man uh just uh someone who who, who's living his best life at the moment and definitely not manic so encouraging this kind of behavior won't have any negative repercussions i don't know in two or three months i'm sure
1: we respect the grift of a true sigma king he, he's a role model for all of us just do a sigma grind set day in day out uh, <laughs> yeah i think i i think he said now like august 6th is when it's officially coming out but people are all pissed off saying like oh he he we he owes us this album like and he's jerking us around like come on the guy the guy doesn't owe you anything like it to to, to be able to experience that uh that, that live show with, with the group chats, you know, just all reacting in real time. That was, that was enough fun and, and he's, he's made enough music that I'm, I'm perfectly content.
0: Precisely. It doesn't also mean that it, when if we rush him, he'll just release something and then keep changing it and tweaking it. And then we won't know for like a year and a half until what the final actual track listing looks like. So, you know, I, it's I, it's true to
1: style. <laughs> I'm a fixed Donda. <laughs> <laughs> I can
0: uh, fix her <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck I guess at some point we're going to need to probably talk about like what, what the actual episode is this week yeah. my god uh, this week we are talking of course about the Fear Street trilogy that debuted on Netflix it's a series of three movies that are based on the Fear Street book series which for anyone who might be unaware uh, it's from R.L. Stein the guy who uh, wrote Wrote goosebumps or the creative studio that wrote goosebumps probably more accurately and then he also wrote uh, the fear street book series which if goosebumps was aimed for elementary students this was more meant for middle schoolers and so those books started in, in 1989 and they've been debuting off and on basically till the current day so Uh, That's kind of the source material here. It's not exactly super highbrow stuff. This is literally supposed to be uh, like baby's first horror movie is kind of what what yeah. we're, we're dealing with here. And so it's no surprise that I guess uh, when I say studios have been trying to adapt the property since 1997, which would mean that uh, if you were to look at people who were born in 1997, all those people who can legally drink and can't can have for several years now like that is how long they've been trying to make this a thing and it finally happened when uh fox studios uh 20th century fox was saying like fuck it uh we're running out of good ideas so we'll just green light this then they got bought out by disney who then sold it to uh netflix so that's kind of all the the super fun behind the scenes elements of stuff. Of that, it's a property based on kids' things that's been sold essentially three times over.
1: Yeah, it's it's always funny when like there's this nostalgic property that if you, if you said it came out in like the late '80s, early '90s ish, like that's sort of like uh like old Gen X, uh, early millennial cusp, which mm-hmm. is. But then when you have this thing, which is. Uh, marketed pretty much toward like uh, middle and high school like Zoomers. Exactly, it's there, 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 there's that disconnect between people who are actually going to check it out because they're they remember the source material from their childhood, and then the actual product they get in terms of like the the messages and uh like like cultural tropes that are being employed by it. Cause this is like this is like a Gen Z Netflix production through and through.
0: Oh my God, yes. In fact, I was trying to think about like, well, who is this movie meant for? Because it doesn't seem fully meant for kids and it doesn't seem fully meant for adults. And then that's when I realized like this is a sleepover movie. This is a movie for The adults who were high schoolers in 1994 to put this on with their kids as a sleepover is happening or for a kid to watch it after convincing their parents uh, who were high schoolers in 1994 to watch a horror movie finally for the first time. And that this is kind of that middle ground that can bridge a foot into both worlds because I mean... I don't know. I my my general thoughts on it. We'll of course dive into a little later. But it just really felt like uh, the baby food version of what slasher horror can be.
1: Yeah. If if you're gonna put on a you know baby's first horror movie like you were saying, like introduce someone to the slasher genre, don't go with this. Like literally, just put on the original Halloween. Yes. That's, exactly. That's all You need and also like. Yeah, this, this movie went for it, like, it, it, particularly the first one, it didn't do anything as far as trying to build tension. It was all just relentless jump scares, and then mm-hmm. this, the second one got into a little more of like the, the gross out kills, but just to go back to like, you know, the classics of the genre, something like Halloween, like if you're trying to show someone their first horror movie, like that one didn't rely on the gross out kills at all, but just that pure like tension building and feeling of menace. That a actual like, you know, uh, auteur uh, um, of John Carpenter type can actually evoke from a, a, um, you know, like a really tight focused production. Precisely. Uh, This just felt like, a mishmash of like Stranger Things Netflix tropes with a couple gross out kills. None of them very inventive, uh, and it just it just felt like a paint by numbers uh, d- derivative piece that made you just want to watch um, better classic films of the genre.
0: And, and that's something where I think that truly someone who's 14, um, one of the reasons I would encourage people to actually watch like a Halloween before watching this is that this takes the, uh, the Cliff Notes version of a lot of the pacing of Halloween and puts it into a blender and then spits it out. Whereas Halloween, like you're talking about, with the, its ability to build tension and properly do setups and payoffs, I mean, like there's a, like 40 minutes of uh, the 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 sh- uh, what's he called in Halloween one, the shade, I think, just like driving around in a car. And, you know, like, yeah, that's that that's kind of cool in its own way, because like it's it's just a guy in a car and it's uh, seemingly inescapable. Whereas this one immediately jumps to like uh, the Rob Zombie type Halloween where you're like, it's a fucked up curse that's existed in this town. Look at all these teenagers. They're going to die. Like, oh, okay, All right. we're, We're just jumping right into it then. Okay,
1: yeah, like that was why I found the fir- the first one of these three to be by far the worst just because it just jumped immediately into a uh, guy in a uh, skeleton costume just knifing people in a mall. Yes, just jump jump scare after jump scare, which uh- is what horror movies these days just keep doing. Griff, Absolutely did you known-
0: recognize who the first kill was? Uh,
1: like, it's it's
0: Maya Hawk, the- aka the chick who played the ice cream girl in season three of Stranger Things. So, okay, that, I, that's was, why Stranger Things vibes through and through. It, uh has Stranger Things actors, it has a Stranger Things film editor, you know. Uh it, 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 your instincts are dead on.
1: Yeah, like it and it had that like I I like to sort of call it like the Netflix sheen. It had that sort of like uh color contrast. It was flat. That, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like you, you can tell it's a Netflix production. Like, like how you used to tell, like, oh, this is a TV movie, this is a B movie, this is this well, sort of thing. It's like, oh yeah, this is this is a Netflix production.
0: And, and that's something I, I really want to find out about because it seems like a lot of uh, at least pre production had occurred on this movie before it got sold to Netflix, and so um, mm-hmm. I I wonder about how much of uh Netflix studio uh, management actually adjusted how this thing looks. Uh, and so I- I'm just curious about that because again, uh, it doesn't look like a movie that would come out on like the, from Fox studios in any way. And so, yeah, it's making me realize like what sorry don't mean to cut you off like netflix is developing their own aesthetic for better or worse in my opinion much much worse
1: we're at the next level here of like if that's the case you know a lot of work was done beforehand before they bought it we're at the next level of like sort of like um movie made by algorithm whereas like netflix we know that they make movies via algorithm you know tying whatever uh, director, actor, concept together that they think will hit audiences. Now you're having studios being like, okay, who are we going to se- – what streaming service are we going to sell this to? Let's do a knockoff of that aesthetic so, that, a- we can- <laughs> so that we can – so we can like lubricate the sale of this thing to – if it already looks like a Netflix thing, it makes it more likely they're going to buy us. They're literally like that, gaining- that is." <laughs> the, the, the like sort of production sheen to it, if, if that makes sense. No, you're Although, right, just football, dude. Yeah.
0: That that's exactly what Paramount has done with their movies when they sold them to Amazon. Like every Paramount <laughs> movie that we've watched that debuted on Amazon has that same kind of look, almost the same quality. Like, yeah, again, you, you're we're getting too close to the truth here. It's gonna yeah. it's gonna lead to some problems. I mean, I thought, uh, at least from a uh, kind of a more structural standpoint, that this was a fascinating experiment on Netflix's part because they never want to release shows weekly. They've talked about that, how they don't like that idea for their business model. Um, uh, And so they moved away from shows where I I think they had like a hip hop competition show where you had the tune in weekly and they realized like it just doesn't work with their base. And so uh, they have found a way to release what's essentially a six-part miniseries as three different movies, and then they they call it you know a Fear Street trilogy. It's just it's just six episodes. Like I I felt yeah. the hour break points essentially right down the line in the third movie. It was evident because it was Fear Street 16th. I'm sorry, Fear Street Part Three. dash 1666 and then it was fear street part one 1994 colon
1: part two yeah part (laughs) two of part three but it goes it's part two of the first one which is two hours but it's just like yeah what what are we doing here i mean like it particularly, I, I think the first one in particular could have benefited from being split up into two because it, it would have helped the production set things up better in a way that actually built tension and built horror. For as sure. As opposed to just hitting you right over the head with like, there's this crazy town where people are always killing each other randomly and we're just showing you right out the gate. People just slashing each other out of control in multiple different scenarios, mm-hmm. and it, it's just it throws you right into this world without any sort of buildup, without any sort of real character development. Griff, come, come on, come yeah. on!
0: There, there was a a montage of a bunch of newspaper clippings, <laughs> and you know that that counts as character development for an entire town, don't you know that, Griff? It yeah. clearly works so well in Black Widow, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you think oh well, i i missed the black widow podcast because i was uh i i, I scored a uh, free tickets to a field box at fenway park so you, you gotta you gotta priorities yeah but i i actually this afternoon i actually saw the black widow movie in theaters with friends oh god so yeah oh, god. I, me, me a couple to that um oh and, no uh, yeah um and honestly i didn't i didn't find it that that offensive you could turn off your brain for two hours and enjoy it but that, when, that, when, that's when, when exactly I, yeah yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not here to talk about Black Widow, anyway. But, no, no, yeah. no, it's fine. We'll
0: talk about <laughs> yeah. anything other than 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 Fear Street. Um, yeah. No, okay, but I guess real quick for anyone who's wondering, uh, Fear Street it has three parts. You have 1994 and 1978, then 1666. I'm gonna give a brief summation of part one, 1994, and then we'll talk about it. Then we'll dive into part two and part three. Um, cool. So to to get. Kick things off in 1994. Uh, uh, It's a movie that feels a lot like a CW version of Halloween meets Scream. Uh, We see a group of teenagers in 1994 discover that all the terrifying events that have haunted their town for generations, all those killings that Grift was referring to, are actually all connected. Dun, dun, dun. And they might be the next targets even worse Uh uh-oh like cue the scooby-doo theme right then and there or actually i'm sorry don't cue that cue any song that came out in 1994 because that was the ipod shuffle that, that was happening it wasn't
1: even needle drops it was just like and like you could tell that they were just like looking at the most played on spotify from the year 1994 and just being like we're gonna set scene after scene uh, with these as like the 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 backdrop and well like, because it know, was also
0: yeah. it it was songs that. Debuted in 1994, not necessarily songs that were big in 1994, like the, the number one point would be Machine Head by Bush technically debuted in 1994 because that's when the uh, the album came out. But it wasn't actually a single until 1996, so it wasn't on airwaves until <laughs> till two years later. And so like it wouldn't have been something like everyone was listening to at the time uh, as they're driving around. So so yeah, um, they were
1: looking at what is most played now, given the exactly. test of time, and you know reverse engineering what they think will be most popular and hit those nostalgia beats the best in the the movie. You know that that classic Netflix algorithm at play yes. there.
0: Also, uh, yeah. it's it's so nice that we have like a uh, uh, two people of color um, who are playing a brother and sister, and they're also listening to Machine Head and Bush, and it's just uh, like you you could not tell like there was no element of African Americanness whatsoever uh, in in their dialogue with each other. And any point does really race relations come up, uh, especially when the, there's like a face off involving a cop uh, later on, like. Like, oh, none yeah. of that there, pops up whatsoever. Uh, so there,
1: there was one. Uh, uh, Gin and Juice made it in to the that that, that that was the one <laughs> hip hop song I noticed. But I think I think hip hop was uh, a bigger cultural presence in nineteen ninety four um, than uh, j- just putting one song from from that entire <laughs> yeah. space or R and B or any sort. Yeah, like it was. It was like uh, uh, white. Uh, uh, you know, white depressed rock song. White depressed rock song. Uh, gin and juice. White depressed rock song. Uh, yeah, like it, it, it was. Uh, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> get
0: uh, super great. Uh, I I gotta say, you know, because uh, the internal logic doesn't make sense. Because if we're wanting to follow that, gin and juice is technically a 1993 song. Uh, uh, but you know, fine, fine. I'll, I'll let them have it. It's, it's okay. I'm not here to, to litigate that instead. Uh, we're supposed to talk about what happens in this movie and that's where, uh, we center on our, our main character, uh, who is, of course, lesbian, uh, and and that, that's like uh, supposed to be like a real subversive thing because she's dating someone named Sam, and we don't meet Sam for like the first half hour. Then Sam is a girl, wouldn't you know it? Oh and my she god! Go- and she goes to the preppy side of town because <laughs> there's shady side, and then Sunnyvale, <laughs> which <Yeah>. just <laughs> so so on the nose here, but it's okay. Like it, it's the metaphors have to be. I guess, blindingly obvious um, because it, yeah. it's, it is for, for children. So uh, yeah, great. Not,
1: not, not, yeah, not to like rip off the point that you made later in the docket, but I just, I think we should get into it a bit here when you mentioned that, like, okay, this, this movie is for the Gen Z set, but it's acting like, these are big revolutionary uh, themes that, oh my god, lesbians exist, uh, cops can be the bad guys, and uh, the, the uh, rich town is leeching life force from the poor town next to it.
0: i can't can't believe it it's shocking who who
1: would have thought this is possible in the year 2021 (laughs) that's like
0: four seconds on anyone's tiktok algorithm like you swipe and those are like the four topics immediately get covered as you're talking it's very 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 basic and so it's cute to think that they think like they're bringing these issues up Uh, when yeah uh, it's it's already been something that these kids have probably been thinking about for four plus years at this point but uh, this is young adult slasher so I'm glad at least they're trying to copy some sense of uh, throwbacks and so like when they're they're you're following the teenagers and you're trying to figure out like, well, who is the slasher guy? Are you able to find him? Why is it this, uh, uh, you know, is it these jocks or whatever that you think is actually terrorizing them? And then when the reveal is like, there are multiple killers, it was like, oh, okay, well, cool. Uh, I guess a little bit there. And then they <laughs> try to, uh, uh, what, what was the, like the, I'm trying to remember like the, the big finale scene. Cause, um, The second act gets real muddled, basically, as you're meeting the main character and main character's uh, ex-girlfriend and then the brother and then a couple of kind of other hangers on that are the fluff pieces that are just going to go through the meat grinder in the third act because they they all hole up at the school and then also at the grocery store, right?
1: Yeah, I don't like you said. It all blurs together. I don't remember much about these characters. I remember like yeah, you got the the lesbian couple. Uh, there, there, there's there's a black kid in there. There's uh, kind of a kid who has like token like gay aesthetics. Uh, like yeah, like I I don't remember any of these characters' names. I don't remember any identifiable um, you you know personality traits. It w- it was all just like. Very generic and blended together. Oh yeah. The, the, um, 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 the black guy was like posting on the internet. He was like an incel type. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Was, was, was messaging, was messaging some goth chick online about horror stuff, but then couldn't look her in the eye at school.
0: Of yeah, I mean uh, yeah. you know that that common thing of where someone is in the chat room in 1994 in high school and happens to also be in a chat room with a conventionally attractive goth kid who also goes <laughs> to your high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great, <laughs> very realistic <laughs> there. That that uh, <laughs> it's probably <laughs> actually a professor that he's, uh or uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> the principal of the yeah. school. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, that that was back when like people were. still... Still scared of their kids going on the internet. Um, the, the, the the same people that would later become like like uh, chewing on um, gripers. Exactly. They, they, were, they were worried about their kids getting groomed online, which uh, a little a little early to that discourse. Just, um, just
0: a tad. <laughs> the, the biggest yeah. note in this movie is uh, that I believe there's like two adults in the entire town. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. it's it's a town run by teenagers, which that might be problem number one that needs to be, be addressed is uh, that all, all the hijinks and things that happen, happen entirely on teenage logic. And there are no obstacles involving adults that need to be overcome in any way, shape or form. Um, yeah,
1: it, it, it's on it's on rails in that way. And like, yeah, the only two adults are the girl who survived the camp slang in the second one and she's older and is the sort of figure that they have to go to to figure out, uh, you know, what's what's going on. And then the cop guy. Those are the only two adults in the whole thing. And then, like, even in the... the there, there's this scene where the... Um, The after like a, was it like a vigil slash football game? Yeah, yeah, it it was, it was, yeah. You (laughs) you know how (laughs) high
0: schools do that, you know, they they, like in the at halftime or during the pregame of like the big school rivalry. (laughs) They'll hold a vigil for the one mall employee who got stabbed. who also i believe graduated the year before and so wasn't even a student there anymore you, you know the, uh how high schools just do that
1: <laughs> yeah and then and then, so on the bus i i guess the 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 shady side the the shitty town uh was um they were on like a school bus back home and they were all getting hyped up and there was uh, the, the the sunnyvale rich town some some of their kids were um Messing with the bus by with their driving their beamer super close to it behind, and then I get like I was just laughing because the 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 uh, shady side kids on the bus uh, start like opening the back door of the bus and like throwing things at the car behind it. The bus driver just keeps going. It, like, hey, he hey like, that that bus like, driver <laughs> is a proud teamster, getting paid uh, you know fourteen yeah. an hour. <laughs> it's not He's in the job description. The <laughs> He's standing with the working class kids against the, those those damn rich Sunnyvale preppy assholes. <laughs> yeah. Oh
0: God. Because yeah, you're absolutely right. I think they throw like a water cooler or something at, at yeah. the, the preppy kids. They make them veer off the road. They crash their car, <laughs> and then uh, the ex girlfriend then touches like a skeleton that's right by a tree, and then like, oh God, oh no! And suddenly, all the these uh, these crazy killers from the past of the town. Uh, end up trying to to kill her, and so it's like an old uh, old timey like nineteen fifties milkman. It's like a nineteen thirties esque woman with a razor blade, um, and then uh, of course like a person with an axe, and then uh, like a scarecrow hat or not scarecrow hat, like a, a cloth hat uh, hat. I say uh, mask type thing. Bag over his head, essentially, is what it is. I
1: I think one of the, the killers, they referred to him as a grifter, so once again, the people writing these scripts, you are lurking my account. You have to come out of the shadows and give me credit for my influence on the, uh, you know, like the the verbiage here. Uh, I'm I'm owed some residuals from all of these projects that are re- referencing grifting. Uh, yeah, there
0: you go. You know, um, and so <laughs> it's it's a thing to to realize that, or you know, you secretly star in these movies, and then you're trying to play <laughs> both sides of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh yeah no these movies are trash uh you then on the red carpet three weeks later like it was a blast to work with these people i'm so excited for uh fear street five or whatever <laughs> they're gonna do oh god um so yeah all, all the all the killers uh kind of uh start attacking these kids and then they they work out a series of of traps to make the the killers all uh, follow blood, but then of course uh, a lot of the kids end up dying, kind of halfway through the movie. Which fine, fuck it, whatever. I again they go in the meat grinder. I don't mean to kind of be dismissing this movie or just be touching on it, but like the biggest plot points are like you have a a lesbian main character, uh, you have rich kids versus poor kids, and uh, it's a bunch of ghosts. Uh, or killer monsters from the past of the town that are attacking. That's really everything that's set up in part one. So that way then in part two, when we hit it, it's in 1978. So the previous generation where we follow the one chick who survived the last time things went horribly wrong in the town uh, we follow her as well as the cop when he was a teenager. And uh, this is probably, uh, at least on paper, the strongest of the three movies because it is just a blatant Friday the 13th ripoff. Like it, it, it knows exactly what it's copying, and then it follows through on that. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I thought this one was the strongest one of the three as well, uh, mostly because it took a little while to get to the like killing action. Like, yes. they, they actually they they set up the characters, they were still generic. Yeah, like you said, it, it's it's ripping off the very very basic premise of a killer with an axe at a uh, teen summer camp. Like you know, tried and true, been done a thousand times. But it you know it was done relatively competently, and there there was some tension building, and they did sort of hold off on the uh, the 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 gross out slaying kills until. Um, there, 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 there had been some genuine, um, like, uh, tension and and horror built up. So it was definitely the most competent in that aspect.
0: It had the best internal logic too, because it makes sense why there's only like three adults maybe at the camp total. The rest of it is older teenagers watching younger teenagers, kind of, uh, as what's going on. And so, as you're following the two rival groups, uh, uh, I think red was Sunnyvale and blue was uh, Shady Side. Regardless, like you're you're able to kind of feel like the sense of suspense at the beginning. Of well, uh, they're they're in this color war with each other, you know, like how people of different colors just don't like each other. You call that a <laughs> yeah. color war, right? That that's a that's what it is. <laughs> um, yep.
1: Uh, I, you know, I think we really need a, a color revolution in this country to deal with the the um, you know historical inequities between uh, blue and red skinned people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think we're supposed to say red skinned. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, uh, 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 the. the, the uh, uh, football team scare yeah. people. Uh, uh, all right, we, uh, yeah. we have a uh,
0: shady side in blue, and then uh, uh, Sunnyvale. We're gonna call you the Sunnyvale Guardians now. Uh, yeah. That's that's <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> uh,
1: we we are gonna uh, uh, return to uh, Art Deco and classical Rome, and uh, name you after some like uh, creepy statues. <laughs>
0: It, it is, uh, man, just, uh, it, it is a, an interesting setup at least to try and get them all at a camp. And then, um, the, the young heartthrob, like, oh golly gosh, I guess i am just head over heels in love with you. Missy boyfriend <laughs> becomes, <laughs> uh, like just the ax murder machine <laughs> of, of the movie. And the thing that like was the most jarring to me was how he looks like a young Brendan Fraser in Ooh, this yeah, movie
1: with, with the parted hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so
0: I was like, "Oh, this is basically like watching Brendan Fraser's kid essentially uh, become like a uh, an axe wielding maniac." And so, yeah, uh, and,
1: and the, oh, sorry, sorry, but just a. To- go off they, they they made a point several times to point out that he was a virgin so i think we have another incel killer on the loose here oh absolutely <laughs> yeah when yeah. will
0: we stop finding out about white male rage huh when <laughs> when will we finally have a reckoning point about this it just it was like one of those things where how they were writing the character i can imagine the screenwriters going like how can we let people know that like he really is like a good sweet-hearted guy and it's well he's going to grab his girlfriend's ass and then he doesn't try and force himself on her when <laughs> yeah. she says no <laughs> like
1: ah oh, what a
0: sweetheart <laughs> oh yeah
1: he he understands basic consent uh what what an absolute saint
0: oh yeah uh clearly you know woke king this guy <laughs> yeah. is, is what it is uh and so uh, as we're following the the uh, main survivor girl, so to speak, and her sister occur, um, th- the big like twist reveal that we're w- we're supposed to feel as like a shocking moment is oh the narrator we're thinking that she's the main girl, but in reality she's the little sister. And in my head, I I didn't believe that for a second. I I was like oh clearly the narrator is the younger sister. Like that was my initial thought the entire time. So I'm asking, did you also feel the same? Did the twist work for you at all?
1: No, I'm, I'm with you there. I think it was clear from, I mean, the first scene in the movie was with her. She's obviously the main focus. And she's also one of
0: the stranger things kids too. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: That's right. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like, yeah, no, it, it was, it was obvious that, that she, she was the main one. And I honestly didn't even, perceive it as a twist just because i always assumed out the gate like oh yeah this is the character we're focusing on this is the person who survived and matters to the overall story so if they were trying to go for a twist um yeah not effective at all
0: yeah and and that that's again my biggest problem with it was that like the movie does very well when it's copying I'm sorry, not copying. It's giving an homage to the much better slasher genres and then kind of working in some of the unique elements of lore building and storytelling that work from there. But in terms of actually giving a legitimate surprise factor or uh, allowing a twist to pay off, I didn't really feel anything like the the, the strongest elements about both Uh, part one and two and I guess three to a certain extent is that all of the kills are incredibly practical they're CGI augmented but like you actually see an axe going into uh, a prosthetic that is you know spewing out fake blood or you know when in part one you see someone's face just getting absolutely butchered by a bread slicer oh Uh, yeah
1: so like yeah that was one of the only like actual memorable moments of the first one when the the girl's head goes through that like industrial bread slicer yeah and then you like see that shot of just like the like later on, of just like her body lying there with like the ruined head just sort of like in silhouette and it was an, actually like a sort of evocative image and, and and scary and um and gross out and honestly I wanted more of that
0: yeah and, and like, that, that's, it feels that's weird to these, say yeah
1: yeah, uh, like that's how these movies like set like can set themselves apart by actually having like unique kills and they only did it a couple of times and honestly I think they should have leaned into that.
0: And, and I think it, the common thread is they were doing uh, or rather when they are doing modern adaptations of more classic storytelling aka in the first one if they had focused solely on just Halloween and then not try to be a meta-narrative and commentary like the Scream movies were, I think that would have been better, have it be more of a slow burn, have it be a slightly uh, longer pace, but again, something that would allow uh, a little bit more breathing room for those kinds of evocative images, that would lead to a stronger contrast with this second movie, which is just, you know, uh, it takes a little while to get going uh, as the buildup happens in the first act, but then there's like a kill a minute uh, that as we then race to the finish line here, like that, yeah. that's something that I think could be incredibly strong. Um Because yeah, the, like
1: e- each one of these should have like ripped off an individual movie and actually done it. Well, and that would have been a better product. Like the, the, you know, yeah, the first one should have been a more of a Halloween rip off. The second one, that sort of uh Friday the 13th, like camp setting. It, it probably did that the best. And that's why it was the strongest film. And then, the the third one, um, you know, it, like it, it sort of did the whole the sale witch. of witch trials, yeah. crucible, the witch type type uh, like colonial horror, which it did it did a little bit, but then they switch back to the original timeline, and it's like okay, we're just we're just getting another uh, like a sort of like rehash of the aesthetics and setup of the first one. We have all these killers coming at you at once. And they have to like sort of engineer and almost, it almost reminded me of home alone at times. Oh my God. They, yeah. Yeah. The way, the, well,
0: yeah. Well, we'll, we'll definitely get into that uh, with yeah. the third one there. Yeah. But I, I think that that would have been an incredibly strong instinct. And also uh, again, this is, a, I feel like a little bit of us kind of Monday morning quarterbacking a bit uh, of where like, they didn't realize that this was going to fully become like a Netflix series necessarily. But like once you, you get bought out in pre-production and you're going to Netflix, that's where, yeah, I would have loved to see one episode, so to speak, with each killer, as then you're you're following this this big narrative because you kind of yeah. doing it with only three out of the, what the six people is left it being unfulfilled. And then especially have the first part one of nineteen ninety-four be Halloween, and then you can go full scream with it in the 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 part two. Element of it, of of 1994, where they can be then quippy because everyone's accustomed to the the way the universe works. Um, So trying to blend it at the beginning just didn't seem like the, the right play overall. Uh,
1: yeah, I I wanted to know more about those killers from the past that only like showed up in the end when like at the, the end of the first and the third ones when or no I I guess I guess the end of all of them the second one too yeah where yeah they, they just sort of appear like I wanted to know more about that kid who like killed his mom with a baseball bat or like, precisely the the, the the milkman that was going house to house killing um, like. Um, like uh like housebound wives in the 50s like that would be those are sort of like those those scenarios were teased, and I honestly think they would have been more interesting than what we got.
0: Yeah, we, we know that they, Netflix has the sets. I guarantee you, they have like a 1950s or 60s suburbia type set somewhere oh, course, on their yeah. studio lot. Like, yeah. j- just do that. But, um, anyways, uh, the the main subplot of part two is following the uh, survivor girl, and then her her good old buddy uh, who is the young cop guy. And she's like falling in love with him. He's falling in love with her, even though he's a counselor and she's uh, a, a a kid at the Uh-oh. camp. So Uh-oh.
1: problematic power gap there.
0: <laughs> but Hey, she's in her last year as being a, 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 one of the kids at camp and he's in his first year of being one of the counselors. So it's okay. Right. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, uh, Lines
1: get blurred uh, in a little
0: bit. Yeah, uh, that, that's the the line that we're going with. I think uh, to try and explain uh, just uh, what what's going on here with these two. Uh, I, again, it seemed like a screenwriter was given that note of like we need them to make some kind of statement here because this is kind of fucked otherwise. So. Um, she she's a bit of an outcast and then he's the son of the the golden family uh his name is good g o o d e so there's <laughs> not going to be any twist with that family whatsoever not with a name like that uh and so uh he, but he's not like the other members of his family cuz he likes uh all those indie things like spiders and stephen king which uh to the movie's sc- credit even they acknowledge that it isn't actually that unique or indie.
1: just like uh the the witch name is sarah fear
0: yeah it's not
1: yeah it's not spelled f-e-a-r it's like I F I E R. but yeah like witch. i I, yeah, I think we've already established the, the level of originality of this entire production so the 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 names being a little too on the nose uh, honestly, like, yeah, that, that, that kind of works on that level.
0: Yeah. I, again, it's, it's one of those things of where if you've already accepted that there is a place called Sunnyvale and shady side, like, uh, they, they got <laughs> yeah. you by the balls for the rest of this ride. <laughs> um, so, uh, the camp as it would turn out is built on this like, uh, ancient, uh, burial ground where the, uh, original colony, uh, that was, uh, Called Union, where Shady Side and Sunnyvale uh, originally got got settled. And there's like a dark force that's underneath the the camp in these just giant caverns where evil lurks. And so the the kids get trapped. They have to run away from killers. And then the sister gets killed. The the younger sister also gets just stabbed the fuck out of. <laughs> and how did so- she
1: survive? Like, I, I, I she just got know. slashed to pieces and then he gives her mouth to mouth to bring her back. You can't give someone mouth to mouth to bring them back from like blood loss. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I mean, like- she got
0: shanked in the ribs to the lung so hard. You ever just kind of like blow on a balloon after it's already popped Cause that's kind of what he's doing at this point. So uh, seeing uh, th- that attempt at survival just kind of uh, it-, it felt contrived at the very least. But it did lead into the big reveal, uh, which I I mean I don't know if, if that was something that then you enjoyed or that you could buy into. But if you die, the people will stop chasing you at least for a little bit. And so, yeah, you have to get killed in some way for some period of time in order to find some sort of relief from being hunted.
1: Like, uh, we didn't talk about this, but in, the, yeah, in, in, like, going back to the first one where they had to kill her and bring her back through the specific concoction of pills.
0: Like oh, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like, that, that, felt, that, that felt very, like, uh, sort of, like, a Gen Z uh, mumble rap core versus like what what's what someone in like the mid 90s would actually be selling drugs like no they would be selling dime bags of weed they wouldn't be like a fucking like like uh, like pill kingpin for, exactly. For, for, you know, different uppers and downers, like right. Yeah, I,
0: I mean, it, it it would be great if they were like, I got something that will kill you, and then they take out some weed.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yo, dude, this strain is fucking crazy. You have no idea. Like, you, you literally, you 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 pass through the other side. You you meet the devil, and, and then you're just like, that, that's like the picture dealers giving you, and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> like, it it like, was great.
0: Uh, it. Again, another another good scene in the first one. Uh, the pills, of course, don't work. And so then she just has to get drowned outright, which was uh, just a, a good way to up the stakes a little bit. And so finding out in the second movie that the person died because they got stabbed like 36 times and then the paramedics arrived. However long it takes for someone to run, find a landline, call 911, get them in the rural town to go drive out there in the ambulance to pick her up. So uh, I guess just CPR must have been going on for hours and hours at that (laughs) point. Um, A lot of of sliding some tongue in potentially. And so um, the relationship between the two of them didn't work out because she claimed that there were a whole bunch of killers. And then he said that it was just one guy who went nuts. It was good old Tommy, the the nice boyfriend who killed everyone. And so, Oh no, I guess that makes Nick good, a slightly morally compromised person. Let's see what happens here. Then we go uh, immediately into the fear street. Part three, 1666, which, uh, uh, just what a, a head snap, at least for me. Uh, what, what was your initial impression beyond, oh fuck, they're all doing accents, aren't they?
1: It's oh my, like, okay. I, under, <laughs> I, I, I understand that like, oh, you're using the same actors, but bringing them back to the colonial era, but just the, the, the anachronism of having, like, I, I know you have to do representation, whatever the fuck, but like, the anachronism of having like people of color just existing normally in a 1666. 1666- New England colonial settlement as if well, they would. Well, I, I got you know, bad
0: like, news for you, Grift. Um, there were people of color in.
1: I was getting to that. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. No, the people of color in those settings would be fucking slaves. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like and just the, like. Like come, but, come but on. it's that whitewashed.
0: Like, <laughs> I, I legitimately think it, like yeah. it the character was so clearly not written for someone who is a person of color that yeah. they were just like fine, we'll we'll make them uh uh black in the part one and then it'll carry through. And the the differences will just be that it's the same actors and it's kind of like her vision of what happened. Not necessarily like what everyone actually looked like, and yeah, they show no, that's, that's that. That's kind of the
1: impression I got too. But they yeah. only do
0: it with her. That that was my issue. Do that with yeah. everyone. Have there be flashes of showing like what the scene actually looked like versus then like what it looks like with all of the regular cast members. Just just do a couple yeah. of like group overhead shots with that. You know, it, it wouldn't be that hard to do. And uh, they they just chose to only do it with one, maybe because they think that it would confuse everyone. But I I don't know. Um, I mean,
1: your 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 point about whitewashing. I, I think the fact that they do this weird color blindness it makes it even more whitewashed than yes. if you were to if you were to provide. A, a multiple perspective thing like you were saying we're like okay here's what actually happened this is an accurate representation of what the racial composition of this town would be okay it, we're, we're um, establishing through multiple characters that these were, were now putting the current time actors back in time at simulating what was going on but the fact that they didn't do that just made it was this weird in between level that honestly made it more whitewashed In the the race relations and whatnot, just even stranger and more confusing than if they just, you know, gone with that alternative there. Exactly. No,
0: it it does. Um, Again, I think it all probably stems from the fact of uh, there was a producer note that went like, what about gay and black? Huh? Huh? Yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, by God, they've done my, it. We're going to have God, all we're, the...
1: We're woke on multiple axes now. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then the secondary note was like, black people live in Shady Sigh. Okay, we need several black jocks to exist in Sunnyvale. Okay? Uh, just, uh, <laughs> that, that needs to happen uh, if we're going to ha- have this properly operate here. Uh, but my God. Yeah, it's like...
1: It's like uh, Diversity written in through algorithm.
0: Yes, yes, but, yeah. It, it's it's uh, it's like the Sims, where you're just like doing different skin colors on various people. Like they not to not to use the overdone line, but like they might as well be green or purple because the show <laughs> doesn't matter what the color of their skin is they may um, as
1: well be wearing red t-shirts or blue t-shirts <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. They, they kept the uniform uh, the, the color schemes for their football teams from the the color war massacre which <laughs> yes. just yeah, I mean kind of insensitive the more I think about it like 30 <laughs> yeah, people <right>. died
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like yeah when the massacres go down it's not a game anymore <laughs> it's not really like all these death threats it's actually real <laughs> 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 they're not like oh they yeah, the one side ready to kill the other—it's it got it got a little too, a little, <laughs> a little too
0: real here. <laughs> the one guy who's like visiting extended family and just having the worst fucking time <laughs> in the world—just like <laughs> uh, I am never spending time with my cousins. This place fucking sucks.
1: Yeah, uh, gotta love a summer camp that like divides itself along like town lines. Like, what the hell is that? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's-, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah uh, we're, we're, it's it's very woke, but uh, it's segregation still. I, yeah, I hate to break it to you. Yeah,
1: class class segregation. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: boys and girls can uh, share the same uh, bunk rooms. So, congrats to you on that. But uh, if you're from that side of town, get the fuck out. You hear me? You dirty, dirty trash um it, it, it's wonderful because in this part three where, where it's set in 1666 everyone's all together in the town of union and it's a nice little happy village of sorts <laughs> except for like everything still just kind of sucks from settler times uh it, it didn't seem like that entertaining uh you got what i like to call and i'm gonna create uh make this just be a recurring bit here of uh What is our Chekhov in this movie? And that is Chekhov's piglets of where (laughs) uh, our main character is able to like birth the seventh piglet and not have it be stillborn. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, let's see what happens with these pigs in T-minus 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, they're literally going to be eaten by their mom. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) yep. Uh, Just,
0: just. You know, it, it's uh, it's definitely a real thing that totally happens. And so it's nice to know how this is actually demonic possession. You hear that farmers, that thing that you witness like one <laughs> every 30 births. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it, it, it's awful. Um, So the the town has this like event where all the teenagers go and sneak off in the middle of the night and then they eat psychedelic berries and then they kind of just hang out and get drunk in the woods which is probably accurate i teenagers have always been teenagers so yeah why it's
1: a uh, colonial rum Springa
0: yes <laughs> but just for one night and just you know one, yeah, y- yeah. you go there uh and then like of course the pastor's daughter and sarah fear are actually a lesbian couple and so um, in a scene that I thought, uh, was, I, I mean, and again, this might be my, my no pun intended here, my puritanical values starting to <laughs> kick in. Uh, but when you're watching the, the two of them going at each other a little bit, I was like, well, this seems like to jump from like uh 12 year old horror to like 15, 16 year old horror real fast with, uh, the, the passionate levels. And then some. Uh, elements there that, that were taking place. It seemed to get a little uh, hot and heavy, which was a weird change of pace for the overall tone of the series thus far.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am kind of like, I I am kind of a sucker for that, like, sort of, uh, like, colonial horror vibes. Like, I remember being pretty freaked out as a kid by, by the village. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that M. Night Child Shy- was like, um, I'm glad, the, by the way, Shy-Wan we're all coming movie? back yeah. around
0: to that movie. Like, Dude,
1: that that's a good movie. Yeah. Like, I, like, I remember, like, yeah, wa- I remember watching that at a middle school sleepover. In fact, which is the intended audience for this thing. Um, but yeah, that was that was a like th- those sort of like spooky small town, uh, co- like colonial vibes in the woods, and there's weird stuff going on. It's it's yep. sort of like. If, like, you know, I I grew up in New England. Uh, I you know, both both my parents are from there. Uh, I forget there, that this is a,
0: your stomping ground. Yeah. This is my yeah. stomping
1: ground. You know, I'm I'm sure uh, I'm sure it's tapping into some sort of like genetic memory if we're going to if we're going to go down oh, that great. sort of mystical Oh great. You're about to have, have a vision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I I am from the land of the occult but uh yeah no I'm ai like I I always like when they sort of go for that horror vibes and um I mean but it sort of felt cheesy and uh like you were saying the 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 tone shift was jarring.
0: Well I, I, I
1: thought it could. I thought it could have been done more
0: effectively. One thing I, I wanted to note here, and part of the reason I think probably part two feels the strongest, is that in the first one, the way the Netflix aesthetic works, it felt like a TV show. Whereas in the third one, everything felt incredibly flat, and that should not be the case. Like it's literally down to the equipment they use, man. Like the if you watch The Witch, it people might not like it because it is a very slow burn. So maybe that that's just not for everyone, but it does not look flat. Everything looks deep and layered and constructed, uh, uh, because it's a set and it was shot on location. This was a set and also shot on location, but it felt like, you know, just like, just be out of camera. Like there's some guy that's just, uh, trying to like wave away traffic. While the scene is <laughs> yeah. taking place, you know, yeah. and, and that also the uh, entire set itself looked like it was only about like six inches deep from it. it it just felt much 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 cheaper and less rewarding and so uh th- it just felt very apparent to me in this movie as then we're following the uh scenes taking place uh and the the big reveal that like the kindly nice pastor has then like become possessed and is uh, gouged out the eyes of all of the children which apparently no one heard of and no one thought anything about because the the pastor was there with all of the kids, I guess. Is it because he's the school teacher as well? Is that what we're supposed to mm, think? Maybe, maybe.
1: Maybe, yeah. One one room uh, schoolhouse, that merger of religious and, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much just religious studies was what they would be learning at that time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't think about that at the time. I just thought, like, oh, like, this is a contrived scenario where the uh possessed pastor just got all the kids together and then gouged all their eyes out i didn't really think further than that but yeah no that that does make sense that they were probably in school at the time
0: yeah uh, definitely you know all those little girls just uh definitely in school uh in in that era for sure (laughs)
1: yeah
0: (laughs) yeah i can get behind it um (laughs) so yeah
1: it, it felt very like uh like um uh, colonial Williams port was it like Colonial Williams port or Berg or wh- whatever that like sort of like colonial theme park vibe. I, I was gonna to it? say when you're going yeah. to a
0: reenactment camp, that that's really what it felt yes. like. Yes. Yeah. And um I mean if if anything, this made me want to watch The Witch again to figure out like how they made it a movie that doesn't feel like that. Cause it doesn't feel like it's that much different. So um I, I'm uh again encouraging everyone to just go and check that out because Uh, as then uh, a lesbian scene occurs in the movie and then everything goes south. She has like her own like country music song take place of where her (laughs) girlfriend breaks up with her. Her dog dies in a well. And then like her brother dies (laughs) like, Oh, okay. It's real sad uh, of what's going on here. Um, Then everyone blames it on a witch. Uh, People wonder who the witch is. And then of course it's Sarah fear. And so, uh, Sarah Fear says, "No, it's not me." She confides in her, uh, how can I put this, not her betrothed, but the guy who basically she she would end up marrying on the long enough timeline, um, which is also funny to me because the actor is of course played by the sheriff Nick Good. And that that that's something I wanted to touch on with an element of the acting and the actors in this, because Sheriff Nick Good is played by like a someone in his mid thirties, and that's definitely an adult. Whereas our main teenager character from Part One, who also plays Sarah Fear in this, is supposed to be like seventeen, but is actually a twenty eight year old woman. And so like they actually do look like they could be a couple in some way. And it doesn't look like it would be that that creepy, if that makes sense.
1: It's funny, I actually saw someone on Twitter post about how they thought that the ages of the high school actors in this made sense relative to like or, or like the, the the way they looked made sense relative to the ages of the characters they were playing but i think that was only true for a couple of them they mostly it mostly followed the tried and true trope of casting people in their late 20s to yep. play high schoolers that's exactly like, right yeah. i mean the, yeah. the main
0: uh, protagonist of part 1 and part 2 um the sister character in part 2 was uh is 28 years old the stranger things uh girl she's like i think 17 18 19 Somewhere in there, but um, yeah, the 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 older sister is twenty eight years old, playing a seventeen year old again. So uh, again, that's they're honoring the Friday the Thirteenth and proper slasher traditions with uh with that hiring there. <laughs> um, but regardless, the whole town is turned against Sarah Fear. They're gonna try and hang her as a witch. She then goes to uh, uh, what's his name like Nathaniel Good or something. They just kind of like slap like slightly older timey name. Onto the name good with that character. (laughs) And then uh, it's revealed that actually he has struck a deal with the devil and that he is the the curse of the town is actually him, not the curse of Sarah fear, because every generation, the good elects one person to die. So that way, then all of uh, us, I'm not, I'm sorry, not shady side, Sunnyvale and the good family will experience success. And he's talking about, well, isn't that just a better thing? Isn't it uh, right for one person to die so then the rest can do well? And that's when I think Sarah Fear raises an incredibly valid point of that may be uh, one way to look at it. But when that person kills, I don't know, a room full of small children, that then, you know, uh, problems will exist. And so uh, <laughs> I think that the movie was trying to have us have this conflicted villain of some kind, but the example they used was like what the third act example would be. Like it clearly should have been like there's a like the Mad Thomas character is the first one who gets possessed, kills one person and then dies. And then like another person gets possessed and is going crazy and then dies. And then it's the pastor with the school room full of kids like that that's how the escalation should have worked. But this movie is so stuck into an hour runtime because it's also trying to fit the other part two of 1994 in it that we just jump right into what the third act development would be.
1: I never got the sense that the villain was conflicted. It was all just uh rich side of town, leeching the life force off the poor side of town. This is uh, for the good of my side at the expense of your side. Uh, very very basic uh class politics uh message which you you know it's it's not it's not revolutionary you know you you it's it's honestly become such a trope at this point that it feels like these messages aren't they 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 aren't revolutionary they aren't transgressive they aren't actually saying anything it's just the studio going through its paces to try to um, you know, represent a sentiment that I know will connect with people because of the times. But due to the fact that it's just so prevalent and the forces of capital that produce these productions, it's it's so part of the system that it all, it becomes evil in its own way when like it, you just keep hitting the same message over and over again, diminishing returns, nothing changes. And it's just the next it's just the next step of what, you know, the, the cultural lifestyle aesthetics that they're just cynically using to sell their media properties.
0: Yeah. They're, they're assuming that you're already aware of the shorthand that exists. I mean, it's, it's no different than like what exists in modern country music of people kind of using buzzword bingo to try and yeah. create an aesthetic or a vibe. And yeah. that, that's all it is. It's just brand name, brand name, brand name, sponsored activity. Oh uh, yeah. My truck, etc. Um, and so it, that that's kind of what I felt like with, with part three, uh, especially during the witch. It was that it was all to give us the, the backstory. Like this would have normally been a, a progressive series of flashbacks if this was a legit mini series that was taking place. Um, This entire section, but then it leads to uh, uh, Fear Street part one 1994 part two, which is we're back in 1994 with our, our cast of characters that have survived and they are setting a trap for the evil sheriff. And they lure him into the mall. There's this. I mean, I kind of dug the setup. Finally, in the way that I dig a lot of like horror show season finales of like finally, a lot of the payoff is taking place because they lure the cop in, and then they also lure all the killers in, uh, and they they manage to trap all these spiritual killers. Uh, cop gets away, and then the the killers break loose. They realize that they can distract the killers with each other by spraying the victim's blood onto them. And in a sequence that I thought was kind of cool because it was like the Super Smash Bros uh, of serial killers, you get to watch like a Jason-esque figure go up against an evil milkman-esque figure, go up against a scream guy figure, go up against like the femme fatale ruby figure with a razor blade. Like that, that sequence of them all fighting each other and ripping each other and mawing into each other was kind of a delight in its own way. And it made me really wish... That uh, 1994 Part Two fully embraced that, but uh, uh, I guess you know they were trying to also keep one foot in Halloween, one foot in Scream. When that one should have, they should have fully invested in the Scream movie uh, at that point. But that, again, that's a a larger, yeah. uh, b- bigger note in general.
1: Yeah, it's it's like when uh, like probably the only good thing that Josh Whedon has ever done, Cabin in the Woods. Oh. Uh, it's like when uh, when the the the, the, the you, you, you the,
0: mean being a producer, right? Because that's all. Yeah, yeah. I
1: I just remember he was being branded as attached to that project. But well, because it was the, the, the year yeah. the
0: Avengers came out. Come on now. <laughs> oh
1: shit! That's oh my god! I am spouting uh, corporate propaganda. I am sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I will, I'm, I
0: will, I'm staring yeah. at a poster of Cabin in the Woods right now. So Oh, God
1: damn it. Okay. He, wait, he didn't even get – oh, my – okay. I, I've been fully psyoped. I got MK altered by Space Jam 2, and my trigger is still fully activated, clearly. But anyway, my point about Cabin in the Woods was that when you go when you go meta like that, you got to go full meta like and you got to like exactly. do, like lean into it and we got a little taste of it at the end here but no when you like bring bring that out you got to go full for it like we want to see the rip-offs of all the classic serial killers tearing each other apart but make it clear that these are the like the 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 like you know the the derived versions of these things and mm-hmm. make the point of it being that it, it, that the the, the the fun of the production is seeing them all go at it not exactly just these sort of like sort of like half homages where you get a brief a brief scene of them tearing each other apart like no we want we want more we want you to lean into that like tr- trust that instinct right there you know? exactly
0: exactly and I think that that's something that uh weirdly if this was longer and by that I mean uh, like a true mini series this would have been like a, uh, an extended sequence of a, a season finale or a series finale instead of like about probably, I don't know, 45 seconds uh, of what I, I really enjoyed because they, they were trying to make sure that they didn't become like – too meta because like what if we lose some of the people and the the answer is like no like be meta as long as you are also deconstructing it don't be meta in the sense that then you are only making references to things and being like i can't believe this is happening or for example just throwing just a pure example out there like uh giving the idea that maybe one of your side characters is going to be the person who invents an ipod just, you know, maybe maybe you don't do that. Maybe th- there's no real need for that level of quirkiness to exist in your movie there. But uh, uh, they, they chose that instead. They wanted to go that route, which, okay, great. I'm glad that that guy got further screen time and got paid. Good on him. But uh, I think that the movie as a structure uh, hurt a little bit from that.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think the the, the third one, uh, it was better than the first one. As in, it was like I, I it's the first one was honestly so bad that it was tough for anything to be worse than it. But well, I think and, and I, so, I will yeah. say
0: like the yeah. the first movie because it, it is also I believe uh it's like an uh like in a hundred and seven minutes or hundred and thirteen or something. But like the first part of the first movie is the bad part. Like the second part, once like, again, things have been fully set up and then the world has taken place. AKA like the first episode of a TV show is always the roughest one. And then you kind of get into your established pattern of characters and things like that is, I think uh, the the problem that they were going at was that this felt like a six part thing that just happened over three movies
1: yeah and and they they blew a lot of their load so to speak in the first one by mm-hmm. making making it uh just just very very over the top slasher jump scare out of the gate uh didn't didn't well, I keep saying they, it, they didn't have they didn't faith build, in it no, I, I, yeah.
0: I I think they were like yeah. well we have to let people know that this is a horror movie all right someone's gonna get stabbed right here okay uh we're yeah. gonna watch someone get stabbed right in the eye because this is a horror movie yep 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 okay. Uh,
1: like that was a big problem I had with the the new It movies, where it was they like, sure, it's creepy that this clown is going around uh, scaring each kid turn by turn, but if you don't lead any, if you don't have any build up, and you just start with the jump scares at the beginning, uh, it's it's not going to be a, a good payoff by the end when you actually get to the to the to the real to to, to the real horror of of the actual. Yeah death the re- and murder and violence you know the real is-
0: horror of it chapter one you know the chandelier light that exists inside <laughs> yeah. every clown's yeah. mouth apparently um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. shape-shifting
1: clown down in the sewer that's uh yeah that's uh, base- basically being being the boggart from harry potter <laughs> 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 I-, I need to read a different book i know oh it's, it's okay
0: it's okay uh I- i've heard it's it's fine to now like jk rowling uh, just so long as we're doing it ironically. Uh, that that oh, yeah, saves yeah. us from it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm just like ironically watching Avengers 2 Age of Ultron because it connects to WandaVision. Yeah, I'm ironically doing that. Oh, look at me. So subversive uh, <laughs> as listen, I chill listen. for Disney. If we're,
1: if we're going to fight back against the woke religion of the PMC neoliberal anarchoid state, uh, you know, you need a little <laughs> ironic transphobia in there. <laughs> and that's where J.K. Rowling comes in. There we go. All right. Uh,
0: I, by the way, I'm, I I don't wish this on anyone, and this is definitely a tangent here, so my apologies to everyone. Um, but did you ever watch that show that was on HBO? Like, It probably came out like half a year ago. It's called The Nevers. It's uh, set in like 18th century England uh and it was uh produced and sh- the showrunner is Joss whedon or was rather oh god Joss Whedon. What, and so what, was
1: that was that the one that was trying to be like the uh like
0: female um, x-men because they had s- magic alien yeah, dust sprinkle like, on them yeah yeah
1: i i didn't watch it but from the branding it just seemed like it was going for like uh like uh like like woke female centered um Magical steampunk vibes, from the, like entirely yeah. written
0: from like a male gaze. Let, yes, let's not yeah. uh, gloss well, it's, over it's
1: that. Jo- it's, it's Joss, Whedon, exactly. You know, like exactly, it's 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 so. Fu- I mean, I I've, I made this point mm-hmm. on the podcast when we went on Drum Circle jerk to talk about Zack Snyder, and then we got talking about Joss Whedon and Buffy. But like, it's so bizarre um, being introduced to Buffy by like you know women you're dating. Uh, and then they, add, and then they being like, "Oh, this show is feminist. This is like some sort of like woke feminist manifesto." And and like this is very female empowering. And then you watch it, and it's like, no, this is a male fantasy from the male gaze. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Can you not see? Like, is, is this like? Are, why? Why do you like this exactly? Well, like, <laughs>
0: it, it's how you know you're dating a bimbo, and that's when you can start gaslighting her, <laughs> and that's that's the important thing. <laughs> uh just oh God, wait yeah, no, someone's yeah, gonna I, someone you're dating is now gonna introduce like the nevers to you and be like yeah. actually i really enjoy this show and you're gonna have to be like aha oh oh yeah no uh, cool yeah awesome uh, let me
1: let me state for the record that i, that I am not a male manipulator uh, <laughs> get that on record i'm not a
0: male manipulator i just like the ones that run tv okay yeah uh. <laughs> But back to to Fair Street, uh, wouldn't you know it? Like once uh, they're able to to kill ye evil sheriff, um, the that the curse is broken, and like immediately Sunnyvale starts to go downhill a little bit. And it, uh, I thought that that was an interesting version because it doesn't mean that Shady Side got better, just that Sunnyvale got worse, and yeah, we're yeah, supposed yeah, to be happy yeah. about that.
1: Yeah, uh, in this country, things cannot improve for the, you know, like the the uh, lower middle class, working class side. Things can only uh, degrade for the people who have privilege right now. It's fleeting. You know, it's 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 gonna it's gonna erode eventually. There's no hope at anything actually getting better for the other side. Only things can get worse for the side that is currently on top.
0: And that's that's a good analysis, I think, to have just about the series as a whole. Like, uh, it's not going to get better. Just start as you watch part one. Just know that it's not going to get better (laughs) (laughs) uh, because it it starts rough and then it ends kind of rough. There's a couple sweet scenes in the middle, but, uh, yeah, I would say that probably out of these three movies, there's enough good content to make like one B plus horror movie, just taking like the set pieces, um, from it. And then you yeah. you could cut out the the rest of it, um. But then that that wouldn't be good. And so, um, again, when when we're talking about like, well, how many trash cans would you give this movie, um, it, I and it's hard for me because uh, I think that when something like this exists, at least in my mind, it cannot be that bit that bad, rather, because it is not taking that big of a swing. It's uh, it's just. Going in my head, I, I gave it two trash cans um, because it's it's gutless. Weirdly, I would probably have given it more trash cans but respected it more at the same time if um, they had actually tried something actually with, with their property or with their IP or fully went with just copying Halloween for one, Friday the 13th for the next, The Witch for the the third and not try to do a whole bunch of interconnectedness. For it um, that or like what you were mentioning earlier, uh, I probably would have enjoyed it if they just did a mini series with one per killer and then uh, some very light world building that exists kind of being the sinew that ties it together.
1: I'm going to say three trash cans. Honestly, like I probably should be harder on this, but just to go with the sort of easy meme format, I'm going to give one trash can per film. Uh, <laughs> the, the amount of garbage. Honestly, the, the first one on its own is probably a four trash can yeah. um, film. Yeah. But you know, as a, as a total piece, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll let it slide because it did did try to do some overarching world building to this thing and to have a you know, it's a it's a. So, sort of a more ambitious production so I'll, I'll say i'll say three overall
0: well that's good that's good i think that that's uh uh again i i can definitely see it here um i will say that it does appear that the director is open to directing more fear street movies involving all of these other killers that got mentioned and to that ooh, i say ooh. fuck fuck you uh, I, I'm absolutely not going to watch it you had your chance I'm not going to let you fear street cinematic universe this shit
1: oh god uh, yeah the fuck like, they're going to do that honestly the only one I would watch is the, is the grifter one
0: yeah, but but let me ask you would you really want that like what's it gonna be like a troubled family life and then someone gets possessed and then like i don't know that it's to th- th- like what lgbt uh character is going <laughs> to have a tragic backstory <laughs> with, with this grifter huh what's gonna That's happen it. there
1: uh they're they're gonna hire me to write the script uh, otherwise i oh. am gonna uh, in, uh, introduce an intellectual property lawsuit uh <laughs> but but i i will make the i think it was like a 1960s grifter i'm gonna i'm gonna make him a uh a a trad husband who's secretly gay
0: Ooh. So, so okay I,
1: I think i think we got to and then you know his 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 repressed urges come out in drowning people in the river. So yeah, I, I, I think I think that that's that that's a proper angle that would get greenlit in this day and age.
0: And then he could be in a gay relationship with uh, whatever the cop's brother's name was. Ooh, okay. That could be it right. too. You know, yeah. you can connect it all in. See. have it work uh, uh, along the lines with it there. Um, Yeah. It it just, what what a movie, what a movie though. But uh, (laughs) we spent enough time talking about this and then probably, uh, 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 too much time talking about all of the other things, <laughs> but uh, I think that that is probably the, the best way to talk about this kind of movie that cribs from everything else is to just talk about also everything else. So, uh, that's my fun little segue to talk about everything else we have going on and specifically what's happening in the Griff shop.
1: Uh, so, right now, the current pop up uh, is um, a collaboration with uh, Cole um, at java underscore jiga. It is a, uh, we, we got some hats, we got a really sweet pullover uh, based off a certain uh, problematic Italian uh, political theorist. Uh, you can it's, it's pinned currently on the top of my profile, uh, but also uh, to celebrate the anniversary of the Cuban Revolution, um, me and um, uh, at Pussy Jihad Ruby, the official Griff Shop promoter, we have something super special cooked up, uh, dropping at midnight tonight. So I we, see. We, yeah, so we have, it's it's a very special Cuba collection. Uh, all like she has a line on how to get the profits to the people on the ground in cuba so it's going to be a charity run uh so definitely check that out Uh, this she did all the designs we have a super ambitious overall concept for it it's one of the coolest things i've released on the shop so uh it's it's going to be it'll definitely be out by the time this episode airs so um, i'm sure you'll be seeing that on the timeline
0: definitely definitely i mean it's so cool to see you're doing not only fun projects, but also projects that are, are incredibly meaningful and can make a tangible difference in uh, people's lives, uh, at the very least, uh, through through uh, showing signs of solidarity. You know, that, that is how you can make a pragmatic difference uh, in people's world, which is uh, uh, the exact opposite of what rating us five stars on iTunes <laughs> does. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? There we go. Yeah. Trying
1: try, yeah, trying, yeah, to, uh, to be
0: a good co-host here. Uh, no, that's baby, right.
1: Baby (laughs) Uh, uh,
0: Apple podcast has finally figured their shit out, but again, they're dead to me. It's Spotify ride or die territory. Uh, So yeah, leave us a five star review on iTunes or uh, follow us on Spotify. Actually do both. You know, I've, I've heard great things about it. Uh also for anyone who might be interested, uh follow us on Twitter and Letterbox at Gigo Podcast. Uh we have some pretty cool uh, uh movies that are coming up on our uh August slate overall. I'm very excited about some of the guests that we're gonna be having here. Uh, we, we got two more movies before we're closing out uh, season two of garbage and garbage out. And then we're immediately kicking off on uh, mid-August season three. So no break, no rest for the wicked uh, should be a fun time all the way around. Uh, I, I promise like when season three, kicks off i guess i'll start reading reviews i'll do that no i won't i i promise you i won't i don't care about <laughs> itunes reviews i care about spotify numbers give me the sweet sweet spotify numbers and uh, as the analytics show me please stop listening to fucking brockhampton it's okay i don't know who hurt y'all but like that was 2017 it's time to let it go.
1: They're not making any more saturation projects. It's over. You can give it up. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah.
0: go <laughs> abandon Brock return to tradition. Follow Kanye West at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. <laughs>
1: yeah, Donda, August 6th.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, dude. Well, it's time to say goodbye. Peace. this Deuces.